0: Many Great Plains towns are dying as the residents' age and their children leave. Southwestern North Dakota has been hit particularly hard. There, towns that grew up after the rush of homesteaders, towns that thrived for a while and nurtured large families, towns that had culture and history, have completely disappeared. There are countless stories of small communities trying to resuscitate themselves by working up plans to bring in industry. And then there's Regent North Dakota, a town that once had more than 400 people and is down to just 200 and falling. What's Regent got? Not much, really, except a man with an unusual vision. Producers Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison, in association with Chicago Public Radio, have the story of his attempt to save his hometown. It's called The Enchanted Highway, and it's narrated by Elizabeth Meister.
1: A short, middle-aged man stands by the side of a county road just outside Regent, North Dakota. His mom stands in front of him, fiddling with a camcorder.
2: Now it's on record and I haven't got it pushed in. Why? Yeah,
1: you... Okay.
3: Hi, my name is Gary Graf. I'm the artist and builder of the Enchanted Highway. Before we take you on a tour of the Enchanted Highway, I'd like to give you a little bit of the history of how this project began.
1: In 1992, Gary Graff began his effort to save his town through tourism. He's documented his project on video since day one, taping just about everything he's done.
3: I looked at what we had, and what we had was a paved road from Interstate 94 to Region, a 30-mile paved road. But how could I get the people down this paved road?
1: Gary envisioned that he would build 11 of the world's largest metal sculptures. He'd position one every two or three miles along the 30-mile stretch of road from the interstate south the region. In Gary's dream, the procession of sculptures would create an enchanted highway that would beckon tourists and serve as the grand entrance to a reborn region.
3: Our goal is to change region into the metal art capital. Storefronts will have metal artwork on them. There will be a metal art theme park and other things to provide for tourists Attractions, And I guess maybe I'm out to prove that uh, you, any community, if you really want to survive, you can survive. If you, nobody tries, we are a community that's going to be extinct. So with that in mind, I say, no, I'm one person that will not let that happen.
1: Regent North Dakota lost almost a quarter of its population in the last 10 years majority of its 200 remaining residents are 50 or older. That's 14 years older than the national average.
3: Our main street is a paved main street.
1: There's a gas station, a bank, a cafe, a bar, and a tiny grocery, but not much else.
3: There was empty buildings and so forth.
1: One of those empty buildings once housed Regent High School, which was shut down in 2001 because of declining enrollment. Gary Graff attended Regent High during better times in the 1960s. But even then, most of Regent's kids left town after graduation, and Gary was no exception. He went away to college, then spent 18 years winding his way around the northern Great Plains as a teacher and ultimately as a junior high school principal. But at age 40, he felt restless. He was single, and he missed his family. So he quit and moved back to Regent, into a weathered trailer home on his family's land.
3: My great-grandfather came out here with the idea that I'll raise my family, I'll have this land, I'll make it productive. So with that in mind, I began developing metal art sculptures on this Enchanted Highway, which I labeled the Enchanted Highway. I'd like to now take you on a tour of the Enchanted Highway. The first sculpture we'll see will be the world's largest tin family. I had an aunt who brought me a small man that somebody had made out of tin cans. And I thought, that'd be unique. Why not enlarge that instead of the foot tall, make it uh, 45 feet tall?
1: Gary sat at his kitchen table and drew up blueprints for a giant tin family, which would stand along the road just north of town. The 45-foot tin dad would wear metal coveralls and a metal baseball cap almost the size of a Volkswagen Beetle it would take 16 telephone poles to support him. His 44-foot tin wife with her barbed wire perm and 23-foot tin son with his gigantic lollipop would be just as fantastic.
3: Then after that, I had to raise the money somehow to start the project, so I went around to the... I spoke to the Lions in the city, and I spoke to the uh, local homemakers club, and I said, okay, what do you think of this idea? I thought it was... A joke, to tell you the truth. I'm Wayne Strand. I'm a farmer and I've been here
4: all my life. I thought, (laughs) people are going to think we're nuts out here, you know.
2: I'm Don Weigendorf. I've farmed most of my life and uh, he did draw some blueprints. And Everybody said, yeah, that looks pretty good on paper, but that don't, you can't put that paper out there how do you make something like that stand? Forget it. The wind will come up here in North Dakota and it'll be gone.
3: You know, I had a few people saying, it'll never happen, it's crazy, it's, what's he doing, you know?
1: Gary would point out that while his plan might seem a little peculiar, each year hundreds of thousands of tourists come to gawk at the faces of presidents carved into a giant rock just one state to the south.
5: Brenda Wiseman, and I manage the Regent Grocery Store. Thirty-eight ninety-eight. You know, I kept hearing about this and... It was one day at the cafe, someone told me to come over and look at this drawing or whatever, and it was like, why is everybody so negative about it? You know, and I had lots of arguments with people over it to start with. It was like, why not try? What do you have to lose?
2: I was on the city council when Gary started all this, and I'd always say, let's talk about it. I said, what else have you guys got going here? I said, well, you guys got some other plans? No. I said, well, he's got a plan. The town is going to lose its school. We've got to do something. We can't get nothing else going. Nothing seems to be working economically.
3: At the Regent City Council meeting...
2: Maybe we were getting tired of Gary and we say, all right, let's show you it won't work. We are now issuing a check to the Enchanted Highway for $500 to get started.
1: Once the Regent Council antied up, the rest of the town, in fabled Great Plains Help Your Neighbor Fashion, rallied round.
3: Here we've got the first annual... Fun day for the Enchanted Highway.
5: You'd have games and and you'd have cake raffles and a supper and like the Girl Scouts were there and did things and Boy Scouts helped. Lions were there and did the meals. We've got cream can toss, bean bag toss, bingo behind there. And then we'd have auctions. Say we'd give like a prime rib or whatever away. We'd give it to the Enchanted Highway and then they'd have an auction on it.
3: raised about $8,000, and I think that was uh, what we started with on the tin family, and from there it went.
1: Meanwhile, an alarmingly large pile of rusty metal oil well tanks began to accumulate along Main Street.
3: And they're unloaded. Now comes the fun part, putting them together. Every Sunday night, I'd get on the phone, and I'd call the farmers up and say, "Okay, can you next week come in and help? Weld on the tin
2: family Well, he would say, "I'd like to do some of this stuff if I could just get enough help. seemed like nobody wants to help me. I'd say, okay I'll help you." He always had the way to kind of get around you a little bit somewhat.
0: shower,
3: helping on the body of the tin man, putting on the pocket. The farmer showed me how to weld and. And I make mistakes, and I learn and learn, and the more welding you did, the better you became, and pretty quick I knew how to weld.
2: There must have been eight, ten, twelve welders going steady there, just like some big plant. It didn't look that good, it looked goofy, you know, all rusty and dirty, until we stood it up and started putting some paint on there, and then they come to life. All of a sudden, we had a family out there.
3: The world's largest tin family.
1: In 1995, Gary and many of the same farmers who helped with the Tin family finished a massive silhouette of Teddy Roosevelt on a rearing horse three miles further north. Two years later, and three more miles up the Enchanted Highway, a giant pheasant family appeared. I
3: have an image of a line of cars stopping at each of the sites. I have an image of taking people from region, having them stay at the theme park, and are at in region at a motel uh taking a limousine out here and stopping at each site stop at the tin family and since she's holding a basket of flowers you'd all of a sudden the limo driver would give whoever's in there a, a flower a carnation one place they'd break open a champagne and everybody get a glass of wine next one someone would i haven't figured out all 11 of them this is just in my dreams yet i mean and i just think it'd be neat that it'd be a special way of touring the Enchanted Highway.
1: Go up a little bit. Here, Gary is moving a profile of a pair of leaping deer from his workshop in town down Main Street to their site 25 miles north on the Enchanted Highway. He's going to lift with the crane. The buck is 70 feet tall and 60 feet long. The doe is almost as big. This one's a heavy sucker, though. Both are cut from scrap metal and meticulously welded together like a massive metal quilt. Just wait a minute. We're going to spin it. We're going to lift it up. It takes three hours just to lift the buck and the dough onto the truck. And even then, it's a little like trying to balance a giant pancake on a butter knife. There's a lot of deer jiggling off both sides. The commotion draws some locals out to watch. Japers, a lot of work goes into that.
2: A lot of eye beams in there.
1: The flatbed, driven by farmer Ron Shower, finally pulls onto Main Street, but almost immediately there's an obstacle. Should have had it measured out before we come this way. Yeah. I don't think I can get through. The streetlights on Main Street are strategically placed right across from one another.
3: Ah, got it.
1: Making it impossible for the mother of all wide loads to weave through.
3: I'd have swore Main Street would have never gave me no problem. I never even dawned on me. Yeah, we can't even get through, unless we cut some stuff off. I agree, we can do that. Okay, let's go for it. Okay. We'll go get the torches and... I got one torch at the... I got um... my torch. Oh, Lordy. Gave up a job of teaching, and being a principal for this. There it went. Did that shorten her up quite a bit more? Ready to roll
1: again. As part of an antler and foot, the buck and doe roll down Main Street and out of town with the local sheriff in the lead.
3: I just stay far enough ahead of him to warn any traffic that is coming down the road that he's a wide load, and boy, he is a wide load.
1: You might have to get over
3: as far as you can to that side because there's that sign up here.
1: Along the way, the giant deer hit the sign to Larson Lake. Terrify a few oncoming drivers.
5: Stop that truck! Stop that truck!
1: And narrowly miss a few mailboxes. Oh, ho, The deer finally arrive at the site. Going up. And two cranes raise them carefully into place. It's going up. Hold
3: together, please hold together. Please hold together. It's, it's dangerous, but. It looks pretty nice when it's up. Like I said, it'll make history one day. One day in North Dakota, even though the state doesn't believe it's going to make history, I, it's going to be one of North Dakota's major tourist attractions.
5: I think it's wonderful. Wonderful. Use that.
1: Like sweethearts at a drive-in movie, Fred and Rosella Forge sit in their car and watch.
5: This is supposed to be a uh, deer, I guess.
2: That's what they said.
5: Oh, give it, give it six weeks. It'll look different than it does now. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, when he gets done with it. You know, it's an amazing part of it. It's all
1: made out of junk. After almost two years of construction, all on the ground, it's the first time anyone can actually see the whole sculpture standing. Oh, I, I see a few mistakes that we should have had different in it. <laughs> Rose Graff is Gary's mom. She helped with the design. His neck is a little thick, but uh, it's too late now, basically, so it looks pretty good, I think, yeah? As the day winds down, a few tourists stop by and talk with Gary. It's
4: a nice hobby for you, right?
3: Hobby? It's my life.
5: It's your life.
3: Yeah, yeah. What do I live on a year? Guess what I live on? How much? Fifteen hundred dollars a year.
5: You're kidding.
4: Well, he doesn't have a salary. How do I do that? I'm Brad Graff. I'm Gary's third youngest brother. And he lives the way Gary wants to live. I mean, you don't find too many 55-year-olds that wear their tennis shoes untied, but he don't really care. I mean, that's the way he wants to do
3: it. Do I entertain a lot? No. Do I go out a lot? No. What do I do a lot? I build these, yeah.
5: Well, I tell you what, it's going to be another very interesting art piece on this road. I call it art. Yeah. The only thing is I wish there would be a little bit more support for him. This is costing money. Don't, don't tell anybody it isn't.
2: There ain't no more donations like it used to be.
3: I mean, when I first started the project, I was envisioning, you can see how naive I was, I was envisioning in two years the whole highway would be done. People are going to help left and right, and I had to come back to reality and say, uh, I've got to go what I can get.
1: Gary had promised Regent that their investment, an estimated $25,000, would pay off. He promised that tourists and their money would flood the town, but by the late 1990s, the only thing that had changed was the town's willingness to continue funding the project.
2: People says that's enough. You know, he should go get some help other places. And got to the point they were across the other side of the street because they didn't want to see him anymore.
5: It's not that people aren't in favor of it, but when some of these people are probably earning fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year, there's a limit as to what they can give. We're not a booming community here where we're making God's of money.
3: Wednesday, August 25th, you're seeing the start of the big grasshopper, and hopefully we'll get something done on it. I'm more or less by myself. I've lost my helpers.
1: As he began work in 1999 on his sculpture, Grasshoppers in the Field, Gary kept up his usual Sunday night calls to farmers, fishing for volunteers. But with each season, he found fewer and fewer takers.
3: Well, it's harder to get them because they got older. <laughs> and there's less of them. There's just less people. I mean, you got one set of ten farmers. Now you got one or
2: two, you know. Got too old.
1: Don Wagendorf.
2: My brother and I farmed together, and he passed away. Uh, things got bad on the farm. It was a lot of farmers left, just sold their land or got up. It was The prices were real bad. And... uh We weren't young anymore, and our kids, they didn't want to farm. They left, uh, you know, college or whatever.
3: July 6, 1999, you see it starting to take shape, the big grasshopper.
1: Gary would routinely put in 16-hour days, crafting the more than 60 metal pieces that made up the grasshopper's skeletal jigsaw. His family spotted him more than once, working all by himself, clinging to the top of the grasshopper's wobbly 50-foot antenna. Gary working on the antennas of the grasshopper, trying to get them painted the right colors, but of course taking chances as usual.
5: Here's Gary painting, trying to kill himself again, painting the weed stalks out of the grasshoppers. He wonders why people call them crazy.
1: Some in town joked that the grasshoppers looked a little crazy. That big one looks like somebody pulled the back hand off,
3: <laughs> like we did when we was kids.
1: <laughs>
4: Before the grasshoppers went up was when Regent was the hardest on him.
1: Gary's brother, Brad Graff.
4: People in town saying that I wish that he would have never started the Enchanted High. We're just going to get a bunch of riffraff in town, and, and it's never going to help our community none. And it's all he's looking for is publicity for himself, and, and that hurt him a lot.
1: The final straw for Gary came on Election Day 1999.
3: Again, it's June 14th, last night. I was ran for the city council, was defeated. Members that were elected are against the project, so I'll have to make it go without the assistance of people in the community or the town board.
4: He'd come to me and say, you know, maybe I should just stop this whole thing and, and I said, heck no, you're, this is your dream. I mean, you're not stopping it now.
1: Many wonder why Gary kept going. Some think it's because of something that happened on Main Street in Regent when Gary was a teenager.
3: I had, a you know, a, a brother that was one year younger than me, and we basically, we grew up together, basically, in the dad got us a motorcycle. And that was before helmets were. Uh, it was a fall night and I was driving and I looked, looked back to look at an, another kid and, or something and we hit the curb and flipped the motorcycle and he ended up landing on his head and died immediately. And I was uh, 16, he was 15.
1: Brad Graff.
4: Maybe he felt, that, you know, I know he did, that it was his fault you know, that that all happened. And, And and he could never reverse that, but maybe by doing this project that it's a way for him to say that I am worth something and and I'm a good person and I I can do good things, you know, in spite of what happened and my mistake, you know, on
3: that one fateful night, you know. The Enchanted Highway is not the end of my project. The end of my project is to a shrine, and that was something I promised him uh, when the accident occurred and hopefully it'll get going before I pass on but it, but it will happen.
1: By the year 2000, Gary had been laboring for eight years, but few tourists came. The problem? There was no marquee attraction on the interstate to lure people to exit and travel the Enchanted Highway.
4: Practically everyone you talked to still hadn't heard of the Enchanted Highway.
1: Brad Graff.
4: So we knew we had to get something on Interstate to get him to come down and see the rest and and ultimately get him into Regent to see our little town.
1: So Gary drew up plans for his most ambitious sculpture to date, Geese in Flight. Tall as three drive-in movie screens and mounted on a hill overlooking I-94, it would serve as a giant billboard seen for miles in each direction. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be cheap. The giant geese would cost $100,000, four times more than he'd spent on any previous sculpture and more than the entire annual budget of the town of Regent. So Gary videotaped this funding pitch and sent it to potential investors.
3: I need people who will see the potential of investing in this small community. It was basically, okay, now I can't even continue this project unless i get funding elsewhere help become a part of history in creating the metal art capital and the enchanted highway by contacting gary greff box 184 Regent, north dakota gary
2: is a a dreamer you know he has a grand dream here i'm byron dorgan and i'm a united states senator and i was born and raised in regent north dakota what i saw in gary greff was an undying enthusiasm and a determination to make this project work and make it happen. And when I see that in people, I think, you know, we've got to help them.
1: Senator Dorgan answered Gary's call. He held a fundraiser brunch in Washington for the Enchanted Highway, and in the time it took donors to finish their eggs benedict, the senator had collected $80,000, more money than had been raised in total since the project began.
3: Here we have the beginning of the dedication.
1: With that money, Gary was finally able to complete Geese in Flight.
3: All the dignitaries and so forth.
1: And in the summer of 2001, a crowd of almost 200 people gathered on top of that hill overlooking I-94 in the shadow of what is, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the world's largest metal art sculpture.
2: Uh, This event really is to honor Gary.
1: Senator Byron Dorgan.
2: Because we believe, and I hope you believe, that this is more than just some sort of quirky idea. This is a real significant piece of art here and down the road that will represent something different than anything you'll see anywhere in this country. And people will come to see it because if you build it, they will come. Thank you. Thank you
3: very much. Uh, I guess I do have a, yes, I have a vision to make North Dakota a destination for tourists. If I had, I know if I had a family, my kids would say, if I said, well, we're going to go to North Dakota because we want to see the wide open spaces, they would probably say, no way. But if I said we were going to North Dakota to see the world's largest metal sculpture, and then from there we're going to go into a theme park where you can see five more sculptures and you can ride the water slide, then you will say Let's stop in North Dakota and make it a place of a destination. So that is my goal. Is to make North Dakota destination.
4: At that point, I think that Gary felt he did not need the OK of the Regent community.
1: Gary's brother, Brad.
4: I felt that for the first seven or eight years, he kept thinking that he was doing it for Regent and he had to have their OK. And so when they disapproved, I think he felt really bad about that. And once he got past that, I think then he uh, felt better about himself, and I think the project actually moved at a more positive pace, I think.
3: The Geese in Flight was a complete turning point for the project as far as seeing it help the community. I mean, before that, it was, yeah, there's a few more people coming down the road, yes. and But now with the Geese in Flight, you know, you see cars and you see buses and you see trailers...
2: There's a couple of blocks down here that uh, used to be full 60 years ago and uh, ever since that time it's been one or two cars and then uh, now you can come into Regent sometime and see all the two blocks and the cafe has got strange cars, strange license plates and we never had that unless somebody come and visit their grandma or something and, and they even want to meet Gary. Gary, can I have my
5: picture taken with you please? I, I don't care. <laughs>
2: you don't care? In 2001,
1: the Enchanted Highway gift shop opened on Main Street and Region, bringing the project's first real paid jobs to town. Since then, Gary's brother Brad followed with another shop, Metal Magic. On an average summer day, about 100 people stop in.
5: I'm Gene Waller, and I'm from Greenfield, Massachusetts. They're just incredible. The grasshoppers, uh, the ten family. Uh, you know, I've traveled a great deal. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this.
1: Still, Jean passed on the Enchanted Highway frisbees, thimbles, and shot glasses and drove off with just a few free brochures. Those that do open their wallets spend only a little on, say, an ice cream cone or a tank of gas. Gary's other plans for a theme park and a motel and dinner theater would help keep tourists and their money in Regent, but making all that happen requires capital capital that Gary doesn't have.
3: Keep our fingers crossed. Here we go. One more time.
1: So at age 55, Gary keeps building sculptures. Hey, come this way a little bit. In late 2004, he raised his seventh, a school of graceful but slightly comic fish.
3: Well, it looks a little crooked. Looks like the tail's got to go down. Oh, maybe it's going down on its own. Oh, it's leveling.
1: It may great. be that despite the dreams and struggles of Gary Greff, Regent will go the way of so many North Dakota towns. It could simply disappear from the map, with the surrounding plains populated only by the beautiful, towering creations that were supposed to be the town's salvation. Still, whether or not the Enchanted Highway is ever completed, and whether or not Regent survives to become the metal-art capital of the world, Gary's noble struggle may, at least for a time, give Regent the life it so desperately needs. Student Christian Yanner
5: When I first heard about it, I thought he was the craziest man on this earth. I think I was like a fifth or a sixth grader and I just didn't understand how pieces of metal would bring us any kind of business or money or anything like that. But now that I see him up and I see what it's done for our town, I give him a lot of credit for sticking with his ideas and his dreams through all the criticism and through all the doubts and everything. Because he pretty much proved that you can do anything if you set your mind to it.
3: There it goes. Yeah,
1: all right.
4: I think Gary symbolizes hope.
1: Local teacher, John Moore.
4: I think when a lot of people are writing off rural North Dakota, Gary isn't ready to do that.
3: Looks pretty awesome. I think
4: sometimes he he drags us along, perhaps kicking and screaming, but. He drags us nonetheless. He just doesn't seem to believe that he he will fail. He just, I think, believes he can do this.
3: And with that in mind, I, I thank everybody, and this vision will carry on, and this vision will go forward. Whether I'm here or not here, it's going to move
0: forward. I guarantee you that. The Enchanted Highway was produced by Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison in association with Chicago Public Radio. The editor was Gary Covino. Thanks to Kurt Wagner, Sufian Stevens, M. Ward, and Andrew Bird for their musical contributions. And thanks to the people of Regent, North Dakota for their patience and cooperation.